to the four-part teaching series, Understanding Healing, featuring Yvonne Atiyah. In this series, you'll get the biblical view for healing, as well as how it aligns with Jesus' work on the cross. And now, here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Happy February 1st. Today is Wednesday, and I was just thinking about it, and I was like, wow, tomorrow is Thursday, and the next day is Friday, which people are like, yeah, Jeff, of course. But it just was like some weeks... They go by slower than others, and this week has been blazing by. So I'm just, I can't believe it's already, tomorrow's already Thursday. So crazy. Uh, Today's part four of four of our Understanding Healing series. And so, yes, this is part four. So if this is your first one, you're more than welcome to stick around. But I also encourage you to go check out parts one through three. I have been absolutely loving this series, you guys. And I know you guys have as well. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. Um, and some healings as well. So very exciting. Uh, go figure uh, on an, uh, on a series about healing. We're experiencing healings, people getting healed. So uh, today is going to be no different. I'm very excited. So yes, stick around for part four. But then if you have not, go check out parts one through three. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and make sure to follow us at Elijah Fire Podcast. That'll really help us out. Thank you so much for everybody representing over on our podcast platforms, which are Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're going to jump in because, guys, we got a whole lot of exciting stuff. It's going to be absolutely meaty, so much so that I sat down for this one. I normally stand. I saw the, the volume of notes, and I was like, ooh, boy, this is going to be awesome. So I got my coffee, got my notepad, and I got my keister in a seat. So this is going to be a great, great episode. You guys this is a grand finale, part four, four of understanding healing. So to introduce my guest today, she's an author, she's a teacher, and she's also the founder of celebrate freedom ministries. Let's give it up for my guest today, Yvonne Atia. Welcome back. It's the finale. Hi, yay. How are you? Thank you for having me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Yvonne, uh, you know, we had, we covered a lot of ground in parts one through three, uh, yep. a lot, um, yep. but there's a big elephant in the room regarding healing. And that is the story of Job. So that's what yep. we're going to be talking about today. And there's a whole lot to unpack in today's yep. episode. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because how many times have we all heard Oh, you know, this is my God did this to me. Um, you know, uh, he gives and he takes away, and this is what he's done to me. Um, and we we reference the story of Job. So you're gonna be getting into it. <laughs> oh, you will today. So I'm gonna give you the floor and I'm gonna let you just go for it. Amen. Jeff, I just feel led to pray for like 30 seconds just to cover us with the blood of Jesus yeah. and for Holy Spirit to open the minds of our understanding. Mm. So I just want to pray, Father, I just thank you, God, for everyone. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask Holy Spirit that you would enlighten, that you would open the eyes of our understanding so that we understand the heart of God. And Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to come and to heal as we are speaking about the kingdom and about Jesus today. I, th- I thank you. I thank you. You are our guest.
guest of honor and we just roll that red carpet for you to just walk into every home and to just touch to heal and to save and to deliver and to do what you do God so we give this over to you give uh, give me God this strength to communicate your word and your heart with clarity I thank you Lord and I cover this with the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus amen amen Amen. Amen. Well, Jeff, let's get right into it. Um, Being in healing for so many years, there's been, um, this has been a massive hindrance. People that are sick and they've prayed and especially those who love Jesus, they're serving in church and they see themselves righteous because Jesus made them righteous, Mm -hmm. but they're suffering and they don't understand why they're not getting healed. And so the biggest thing is this, I'm not healed because God is allowed this sickness in order to teach me something. So Mm -hmm. to start this, I'm not blaming anybody who is believing this way. I was reading this morning the writing of St. John of the Cross, and he's a Carmelite monk, but a lot of evangelicals embraced his theology and understanding. He was under house arrest, and he wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. And he spoke about the book of Job. And one of the things he said, he said this um, while he was under arrest. He said, God must take away in order to purify the soul. And so this is obviously what many have embraced today. So let's get into it. And we're going to take go on a journey together. And I want to take you on that journey so that we end up somewhere. So the book of Job, let me start with this, has been the most misunderstood book and misused book and abused book. Um, And so the reason, I'm going to say two main reasons. Number one, many believers believe that Satan manipulated the heart of God to afflict a righteous person in order to test his integrity. Mm. The next one. Others believe that this wasn't God. This was Satan. They they understand that. But they say, hang on a second. God permitted Satan to touch Job and to bring all this affliction upon him. Now, this theology will help many to not get healed. Why? Because they're embracing their sickness and disease. And they're like, okay, If God, and they're doing it out of a good heart, so I'm not coming hard at anyone. They're just saying, hey, if God is there to purify me or to test my integrity through this sickness, let it be God. Let this cancer come. Let this disease come because God, all I care about is you. And of course, that does not sit right with what Jesus revealed to us about father Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go on this real slow journey and i'm gonna take a step back before we enter and read the text together let's try and find out some very interesting facts about the book of job the book of job has been the earliest book in the in the bible it is it was written before genesis was even written however we know from a lot of facts in the book that it was written during the time where the patriarchs lived. So it could have been, Job could have lived during the time of Abraham or around that time. We really don't know the exact timing of the book, 
but we know that like Abraham, he would offer sacrifices unto God. And we knew that he was a priest of his house because he would say, hey, in case my children sinned against the Lord or cursed God in their heart, I want to be able to sacrifice um, for my children. The other thing we need to know is that Job came from the land of Uz, Uz. That is the current day Saudi. That is South Arabia. In other words, we have no mention um, he was a non-Israelite. So he does not come under the covenant of which God had with uh, Moses or Abraham. He is a non-Israelite. So we're approaching someone who we can probably say was not under the covenant because throughout his book, Moses is not mentioned. The law is not mentioned. So we know he has his own faith or his own religion. Somehow he prays to Elohim. So I'm going to roll with his praying to God. I'm not going to dispute that fact. Although there's questions as to which God was he really praying to, but that's beside the point. Mm. The other thing as well, the covenant Job was under was called the covenant of sin and death. So there was no redemption at the time. In other words, you do something, you die. And how do we know that? Job knew that if his children cursed God or did something against God, God can just curse them. In other words, God is this, um, that's Job's understanding of God. And I want to lay out his understanding because he repents at the end. And he says, I heard about you with the hearing of the ears, but I really didn't know you. And I repent. But that's what Job thought. Job thought was God would whack people who did the wrong thing. So just in case um, my he does that to my own children, I want to be able to continuously offer sacrifices. Right. But what is very important is that in this chapter or in this book, we are, everything is attributed to God. The evil and the good and the bad and the ugly is attributed to the sovereignty of God. In other words, God is responsible for everything. That was Job's understanding of God. And so this is very important to lay out even before entering the book or even reading the book. But let's get into the problematic verses and let's begin to see them from a different lens. So in chapter one, and I'm going to pick up from verses six to 12. This is in the NIV, everybody, if you're wanting to hmm. read this specific part with us. so Yes. So in this, it says, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came with them. There's a problem verse right there. Yeah. Because... And I'll be honest, many people don't understand it, and I don't understand it. I don't understand how, in the presence of God, Satan can be there. But yeah, let's... yeah, how does that even roll? Um, where Satan, who is demonic, is able to enter God's presence. But anyway, let's get to verse two. Then the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth. Let's stop there. Does God not know where Satan came from? Yeah, he definitely does. Exactly. If yeah. God's all knowing, God, of course, knows. Mm -hmm. So why is God even asking him? 
God is beginning to highlight Job. God's beginning to tell him because God is the one who's going to bring up Job. Satan is not the one who brought Job. So those people who were like Satan came to manipulate God. Well, Satan did not even mention Job. But then the Lord was the one who said to him, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. In other words, he's walking in my image. He's looking just like me. He's righteous. He said he is blameless and he is upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. This is how God sees his children. And so we get to see that God is the one who's bringing up Job, mentioning Job, and God is the one who is esteeming Job because Job is walking in the image of God, which is beautiful. And so Satan says this, does Job fear you for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flock and herd are spread throughout the land. In other words, Satan is telling him, he doesn't love you, God. He needs you. I mean, why would he not love you? You put a hedge around him. You blessed him. And I want to underline the word you blessed him because we know later on from the book of Numbers when God's people were walking and the prophet came to curse them, he wasn't able to curse them. Why? Because he said, I cannot curse something that God had blessed. Hmm. And there's a key right there. How can God curse what God has blessed? So God's already gone and blessed Job. Satan knows it. How can God go against himself? When God's gifts are irrevocable, when the prophet Balaam could not curse God's people because God blessed them. So how can even God do that? Big question mark. We'll find out later. So Satan says to him, you put a hedge, you blessed him, you gave him nothing to complain to you about. But hey, if you stretch out your hand and you strike him, he will curse you. His true colors will come out. In other words, Satan is telling God to do something that God cannot do. Hmm. There's another big key. So he's telling God, you blessed him, go and curse him. Does God do that? Is that what Jesus revealed to us about the father? That God has two natures, he blesses, and then the next day he curses? Big question mark. Mm -hmm. But the big elephant in the room is coming. The Lord said to Satan, this is verse 12, Behold, everything he has is in your power. In other words, Satan, you're coming to me because you want that permission to go and curse him. I am going to give you a permission slip. Now, that's a very problematic text. Why? Mm -hmm. Do we think that Satan goes to heaven on a daily basis collecting permission slips to afflict God's people? Come on. It's definitely what's been taught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He kills and he steals and he destroys. These are the words of Jesus. 
And so does he go to heaven and the angels have got all those permission slips and they're like, okay, curse this person, bring blindness to this person, bring cancer to this person. Is that what happens? I don't think so. And that's not what Jesus taught us as his children. So there's something missing because the Bible says that God said to him, everything is in your power. And it says, then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So what is happening in this passage that many of us are struggling with? We know that God cannot do that. God is going against his nature. Yet this verse says that God said to him, behold, he's in your hands. The biggest key that's going to unlock this for us, Jeff, is that when Adam lost his authority, he lost it to Satan. So what does that mean? At this time, the whole world was under the authority of Satan, not God. Hmm. So how do we prove that from scripture? We prove that by going to 2 Corinthians 4, 4. So chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Who is the God of this world? Satan. Yeah. Because when God created men and women, God said to them, I'm going to give you authority and dominion to take over this earth and to multiply and to be fruitful. When Satan, when Adam ate from the fruit tree, what happened was he sold his authority over to Satan. So at this time, God is telling him, Job is not under my control. Job is under your control. Why are you telling me to do something that I don't do? When you know that you are the God of this world. Hmm. Furthermore, Ephesians 2.2, he's the prince of the air. It says this, that the prince of the power of the air. In another translation, it says that Satan is the commander of the powers in the unseen world. So when he came to God, he was the one whom Job was under. So when we come and read this, when it says that, behold, everything's in your power, God is not giving him a permission slip to destroy his beloved. Mm. God is saying to him, you are the God of this world. You are asking me to do something that only you can do. What's another scripture that will support what I'm saying? In Luke 4, when Jesus was tempted, the devil came to him in verses 5 and 6 and said this, Then the devil, taking him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, All this authority I can give to you with the glory. For it has been delivered unto me, and I can give it to whoever I please. Boom. There it is. <laughs> that just locks it up. Yep. In other words, mm -hmm. at this time, 
the world was under the control of Satan. So why did Jesus need to come and save us? It says he came and he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved. That's why the cross of Jesus is central to salvation because it's the cross of Christ that moved us to this place. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Without the cross of Jesus, we were under Satan's dominion. So when we go back and read what Job was saying, God is telling him, Job, uh, Satan, you know that the day Adam fell, you took over. And you walk the earth wearing Adam's sandals. I'm not going to get into the book of Ruth. But the book of Ruth is absolutely gorgeous in the fact that when someone purchased a piece of land, then then they had to receive the one that's selling needed to give their sandals to the one that's buying. That is the exchange of contract. So when, and that's, we understand that from the book of Ruth. And when Boaz went and purchased the land, he took the sandals. So what does that mean? Adam gave his sandals, his authority, his dominion. He handed it over to Satan the day he fell. So when Satan went to God, God is telling him, you know that Job is under your control, under your power. Don't ask me to curse what I have blessed. Don't ask me to do something that is contrary to my nature. Don't ask me to take. And Jesus said this. He said that God does not take. In actual fact, he gives his one and only beloved son so that we can receive eternal life. So when we know all this background and we go back to read, that was not a permission slip to hand Job, his friend, his beloved, to be tormented by Satan. So if we keep on moving, (laughs) (laughs) in other words, Satan is asking God to do what God never does. Mm. God is telling him it's all in your power. In other words, that's you. You're the thief. So it's almost like Satan, I mean, Satan obviously knew that. He knew what authority he had. um, and, And it was almost like, would you would a better way of looking at it be like he was he was almost like the the phrase twisting the knife you know like towards God he's like what about Job he's like you know it, it's like taking something that someone loves and holding it over like a fire and going oh oh and like acting like egging egging God on almost like a hundred percent Jeff you yeah. know how you know how what you said is spot on hmm. because when you go back and read the text that I just read. God knew that Satan was going to do that to Job. And he asks him, Satan, where have you come from? Hmm. He knew. He knew all along that Satan is coming to destroy Job. And he actually sort of said to him what he's about to do. Mm -hmm. He said to him, you know, did you consider 
my servant Job? He's so good, isn't he? He loves me. He's upright. He knew, he knew, God knew that Job genuinely loved him. And so, yes, you're right. It's, and that's why God's asking him, where have you come from? Did you consider my servant Job? In other words, God's telling him, I know exactly what you're about to do, but you're a thief and you want it to sound like, you want Job to believe that I did this. Yeah. But the truth is, he, behold, he's in your power. When he says he's in your power, God is not giving permission slip. Mm. God is saying to him, you have this authority handed over to you when Adam fell. So don't ask me to do something that I don't do. He's under your power. You are the one. And you know what, Jeff? How do you know with all those supporting passages that I read? Let's go back to the text. Back to the text, yeah. which is Job um, chapter 1, verses 13 to 19. Let's see the result. The Bible says he goes out from God's presence. And then it says, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the, older, as, at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said to him, the oxen were plowing and the donkey were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans came. These are an attacking army and made uh, and took off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who escaped. Who motivated those armies or the, the Sabians to do what they did? Satan. Right? Satan. Now look at the next verse, which is crazy. Look at how much Satan is lying. It says this, verses 16, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God, let's highlight that everyone. Yeah. The fire of God, was that the fire of God? The fire of God fell from the heavens and burnt up the sheep and the servants. And I am the only one who has escaped. How can it be the fire of God when God had nothing to do with it? When God said to him, Job is under your authority, under your power. And then it keeps on going. Another servant came, said to him that the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down um, on their camels and made off with them. Verses 18, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, oh, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine. And then there was a mighty wind that came from the desert, struck the house, the house collapsed, and they all died. Who motivated all that? And it, we know the Bible says Satan walked out from the presence of the Lord, and he attacked Job. Now, poor Job. What is Job thinking? And this is what many people today, Jeff, they think. And we sing this, and he says this. He says, at this, um, this is Job 1, verses 20 to 21. At this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. May the Lord's name be praised. Mm. 
And so what we do today is that many believers like Job believed that God was the one who did all this to test their integrity. And we sing songs. I'm going to quote an ancient song, and it's still being sung in a lot of churches. It says that the Lord gives, but he's quick. Lord, you give, but you are quick to take away. So I will not set my heart on what you give. So the Lord gives, but don't set your heart because he's just going to take it away. Yeah. What, if, if, if you, Jeff, when it's your wife's birthday and you know she likes something and you go and you get her a beautiful perfume mm-hmm. and you're like, babe, you know, I got this for you on your birthday. And she's like, oh, thank you, Jeff. I love it. And she's wearing it every day. And then one day you're like, you know what? I want to take it away. Yeah. But yeah, it would go over well. It's not going to go well. No. But imagine that was a child. Yeah. Imagine when you tell a mother that God had a greater need for your child in heaven. How will this mother ever be intimate with God again? Yeah. When it's graduation day and she sees all his friends walking up on the stage and she's thinking, God, if you did not have a greater need for him, what are we saying? How are we portraying the yeah. God who was revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ? Job said this, though he slays me, yet I will trust him. We say that today. This is a Bible verse, by the way. This is Job 13, verses 15 to 16. There's another one here. It says, he breaks me. This is Job 19, verses 10. He breaks me on every side, and I am gone. This is Job thinking that God slays him, that God breaks him. He's confused. He's frustrated, and his friends came to try and comfort him. They were they shut their mouth for seven days, and then the rest of the book, his friends are telling him there has to be a sin in your life. Yeah, like God mm-hmm. has to be punishing you for something, Job. You must you could have missed Job, and he is tormented, he is broken, he is hurt, he does not know what to do with himself. And and Jeff, this is the frustration of many of God's beloveds who are going to be hearing this episode right now. You're being set free in your mind because Mm. for so long you're like, but why isn't my cancer going away? And you sung that you said that God, if you want to, if you want to test my integrity and you want to kill me with that, I'll, I'll keep my cancer to the last day. That is why part of Job's name in, in the Arabic language means repent. He said that at the end, he said, with the hearing of the ear, I heard about you, but I didn't know you. Therefore, I repent. He says that to him in Job 42, he said, now I know that you are able to do all things and there is nothing impossible to you. Mm. He says at the end, for I know that my Redeemer lives. But he said that when he was set free, because he had believed, Jeff, that this was God who went all against him, destroying him from every direction. And so the same thing is true when a mother loses a child or when someone's got cancer and you see a beloved go through the whole process unto death. What are you thinking? What do people think today? The same thing. We say, well, God allowed it because we prayed. And they will say the devil doesn't have greater authority than God. 
if we rebuke the cancer, but the cancer is still there, it just means that God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who's allowed this cancer. So we just got to live with this cancer. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and so much Christian theology, I, I can speak for the 20th century and now in the 21st century, but um, is based off of Job's lack of understanding job's friends and um and that whole idea of you give and you take away and oh there must be sin in your life i mean man, how many times have i heard that about people that didn't get oh they must have sin in their life you know and i'm like then it, it really starts to mess with your theology when you see people get prayed for on the street who are sinners <laughs> and they get healed you know and like that really starts to mess with your, th your theology. And I remember when I was in YWAM and it was like when I just gotten into it and, and there was a guy giving a lecture and he said, just to kind of egg us on, he goes, do you, know, do you know that not everything in the Bible is true? And we're like, what? You know, he said, and then he, he quoted this part about you give and you take away. He's like, that is actually Job's false understanding of what's happening. And honestly, and he gave kind of a loose, I mean, nothing quite like this, but um, he gave kind of a loose breakdown of what happened, Satan's authority versus versus God's at the time. And and it was just like, whoa, like, and then I, it just started this big snowball for me of like, my understanding of this book is so off kilter. Yeah. And, um, uh, and um, yeah. I, I, I think, and at the time we were singing this song, blessed be the name of the Lord. And there's like a, a part of the, you give and take away, you know, you said, it, and I was just like, I couldn't sing the song anymore. I could, that part, I was just like, I mean, blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes. But this part of this worship song is actually not accurate. Like the message of the, it totally ruined the message of the song for me. Cause I was like, Ugh. Um, but this is a big deal. Like this revelation right here is a big deal for a lot of people. It is, Jeff. And, and you know, when we get set free from this, I know people, as you said, the 10 lepers that Jesus healed. Are you trying to tell me that the whole entire 10 had no sin in their life? When Jesus healed multitudes, did they not have, did none of the multitudes have one sin in their life? So you get to see how Jesus ruins this theology. And as, as you said, for me, there's many songs right now I cannot sing anymore mm. because he's not the God who gives and takes away. He's the God who gives and blesses abundantly. Yeah. This is who he is. And unless, until we have this revelation of who he is and how Jesus revealed him to us, and not just that, Jeff, we are under another covenant. That is why the writer of the Hebrews is super excited. He says, guys, that the old covenant is made obsolete. We are under the new covenant. It's better. It far exceeds Moses. It far exceeds the high priests. So now we're picking on Job. Job was not even under the Mosaic covenant. You're speaking about someone who used to come from the land of Saudi. Yeah. So, and even with that, if we try and fit him into our theology, even under the Old Testament Mosaic law, he doesn't even make it. Right. It was like, I mean, if this is the if this is the first book written 
we don't know exactly when it was written, but we can assume it was at least parallel to what was happening in yes. Egypt and the and the the mosaic the, the the old covenant that was established. But he was he was outside of that anyway. So this could have either been pre old covenant or he was running parallel to it, but he wasn't a part of the 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 mosaic law like that community of Israelites. Exactly, because yeah. even under the Mosaic law, you remember when they were struck down, Moses said to them that I'm going to get the snake or the serpent and I'm going to put it on a pole. So even then God had allowed under the old covenant healing. He said to them, I'm the God who heals you. Anyone who looks at the serpent, they will be healed. So those who were under the Mosaic law, there was healing for them. Job with everything that I'm sharing, was completely out of that Mosaic law. Yet we're trying to fit him into the new covenant. It really blows my mind. And I know, Jeff, that many are going to be repenting right now just because Holy Spirit is opening Mm -hmm. up all those light bulbs. And God's like, I'm showing you this because I want you to live. I want you to receive your healing. This is why we're sharing this. Yeah. Um, so really quick, Yvonne, and if you're going to be hitting this later, then just let me know. Someone from the chat uh, is saying that Satan being able to attack Job confuses them within the context of the sovereignty of God. God is in control of everything. Could Yvonne address that? So really quick, I will say this. if I, Is God in control of everything? Because if I go, I, if you go out, whoever you are, and you go and you cheat on your spouse, was God in control of that? Like, mm-hmm. There is a, there is free will, and that's a whole nother that's okay. a whole nother thing. Uh, but so if you were gonna touch on this later, you can or you can address it now. Look, I will I will quickly just say now that Jesus made it clear, and he said this to his disciples in Matthew twenty eight when he rose up from the dead. He said to them, "All authority has been given unto me." And this is the greatest news. That is why I love reading the account of the resurrection, because it comes against this directly. You know, where it said, where God said to Job, to to Satan, he's under your power. Now Jesus is saying it's reversed. I'm wearing the sandals. Mm -hmm. And he says, if I have 100% authority, then Satan has none. So what does Jesus do with his authority? He empowers his disciples. And he said to them that I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing can harm you he says that to every believer in mark 16 that believers can lay their hands on the sick and they can be healed Mm. so we cannot sit there and say oh god's in control well god has handed over his authority to you as a believer use your authority and rebuke and bind sickness and disease in other words establish the kingdom of god in your body so that's as a New Testament understanding. So, and I'm going to clarify that even later on as I progress in the story of Job. Yeah. But I'm hitting now a very hard passage, and I really want everyone to just listen intently. Job 2 3. This is a big deal. And li- this is what it says it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you, this is by the way, scene number two. So the first scene, Job is destroyed, but his health hasn't been touched. 
Here, scene number two is visitation number two. So the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, let's underline what's coming. And he still maintains his integrity, though you enticed me against him to ruin him without any reason. Mm. I want to scream, like if I can scream. <laughs> Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Like I would scream. What this is saying is that many people understand this. Honestly, does this even make sense? That God is saying to Job, that you enticed me. It's like this, Jeff. It's like I have a son, Raphael, and Esther, my daughter, and I love him so much. Could you imagine if I was a mother in my right mind that an enemy would come to me and tell me, hey, I want to entice you against your children to go and destroy them. <laughs> and I would be like, yeah, have they? I'm yeah, prepare to meet Mama Bear. Yeah, like, yeah, right. No way. <laughs> And I'm going to ruin my children's lives. And guess what? For no reason. He says to him, though you enticed me against him to ruin him without any reason. So surely there's something missing in translation. This cannot be the heart of God. Let's get deeper. The word entice means to turn against. Can Satan change the heart of God? We need to ask ourselves that. And especially for no reason. Okay, so what is God saying? Here we go. This is what God is saying. God is saying to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? who holds fast to his integrity. Although you made him believe that I have turned against him and that I have destroyed what I have blessed. I'm going to say that again. So God is saying to him, you entice Job to believe because think about it. All these problems came. And what is Job believing? Job is believing in his mind that I'm righteous, that I love God. But yet God went out to destroy my life when I haven't done anything wrong. So God is telling Satan, do you still see how amazing he is and how full of integrity he is? Although you enticed him to believe that I ruined him. You made him believe that I ruined his life for no reason. Hmm. So we need to understand the word enticed. Enticed here doesn't mean that God can be that that Satan can entice God to ruin us with no reason. If anyone does that, Jeff, what happens to him? They're held in a criminal court. They're sentenced to death. They're sentenced to a life sentence. You think about it. Someone who's innocent, they're just minding their own business, and you just go in and you kill them. No reason. You, you just destroy their life. Would this be allowed by, by our earthly rules? How can God, who is just and fair and compassionate and loving, say that? So what God is saying, he still maintains his integrity. 
Though you enticed him, you made him believe that I turned against him. You made him believe that I am the one who takes away. You made him believe that I'm slaying him. And these are all verses that Job believed and quoted. And so in other words, God's saying, you did this stuff. And now he thinks that I did it. And how do you know that? All his friends hear the conversation. None of the conversation of his friends are telling him that Satan did this to you. If you go and read most of the book of Job, what are his friends saying? God did this to you Mm -hmm. because there's sin in your life. God did this to you because maybe you opened up a door. God did this to you. God did this to you. So what is Job believing? That God went out to destroy me when I did nothing for God. So going back to the verse, this is what God said. You, he still maintains his integrity, though you enticed me against him in his mind. You got him to think that I want to destroy him. And there was no reason for me to do that. And so the result of this particular part is this. Satan said to him, well, skin for skin, I want you to touch his body. In actual fact, before I get to this, in verses 7, it says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. So in this part, Satan is saying to him, skin for skin. He is still maintaining his integrity because you didn't touch his own health. But you touch his health, he's going to curse you to your face. And so he goes out from the presence of God and he inflicts this. And the Bible says, so Satan went out. So who inflicted Job's body? Satan. Was it God? It was Satan. But, But he made him believe Satan made Job. See, Our thoughts, Jeff, play a huge part in our healing. Because if Job believed that God was the one who did this, then let the Lord's name be blessed. What am I going to do about it? But the Bible clearly says in Job 2.7, so Satan went out Mm -hmm. from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with those painful sores. So it was Satan who struck him. But guess what? Even Job's wife believes that this was not Satan, that this was God. And so in verses, um, same chapter, Job 2, verses 19, 10, his wife said to him, are you maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. What is she believing? (laughs) She's also believing The God is such a horrible God because although Job is a blameless man, God cursed him for no reason. So she's just like, curse God and die anyway. And this is Job's thinking, Jeff, here it comes. He says to her, are you talking like a foolish woman? Shall we accept the good from God and not the trouble? What's Job thinking? 
Yeah. Just thinking that this is trouble. It's come from God. Satan's not even on the radar. His mention, his name does not even get mentioned by Job. It doesn't get mentioned by his friends. So when I go back to read that verse that, I, that is very problematic, it says, um, which is Job 2, 3, it says this, God says, and he still maintains his integrity. Though you enticed me against him to ruin him with any reason. So God is saying to him, you made him believe that I was against him for no reason. Yet, even with that understanding in Job's theology, he still is blameless and he still maintains his, um, his love for me. Well, the results of scene number two, he goes out, he inflicts him with the sickness. His wife's like, come on, just curse God, just go. God did all this for you. So what does Job say? All this trouble has definitely come to me from God. And so the rest of the chapter, the rest of the book, his friends are just going at him. And so we get to see that this is where many, many, many believers are there today. I am not going to pick up all different passages from the book, but every single passage, his own, I mean, the Bible tells us here that he feels disoriented. He's feeling out of place. He's feeling deserted and he doesn't know what's going on. His, his, his children just died. He's lost his business. He has nothing. He's got boils all over his skin. And he's believing that God did this for me, yet I'm still going to maintain my integrity. Hmm. And so the Bible continues to say that towards the end, God begins to speak all through the book. It's a poetic book. So it's mainly all the friends just talking and he's just sitting there taking it all in. And as you said earlier, Jeff, we do the same. When people don't get healed, we do the same. We're like, mm -hmm. there has to be sin in your life. Mm -hmm. Or God is trying to test your integrity. Will you? God doesn't want you to lose your faith. Even if you die with this condition, God is trying to test you. God is trying to purify you. And when I looked at the story of St. John of the Cross, when he, started, when he spoke about the dark night of the soul, he didn't have sickness. What he was going through was arrest. He got arrested because he was speaking reformed theology. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand, like we said before many times, that persecution last week when we spoke about Paul's stone in the flesh, mm -hmm. persecution is part of the gospel. But we need to understand that God would not use sickness and disease to discipline his children. That's huge. We need to know that. Now, in the book of James, James tells us that God cannot be tempted by evil. In other words, God is, why? Because we said last week and the week before, sickness is a result of sin. Jesus dealt with sin. Therefore, Jesus dealt with sickness. Hebrews 12 says that whoever the Lord loves, he disciplines. But how does he correct? How does he discipline? He would not go and infl inflict cancer 
And not just that, wait until you fully die. Like how many people fully died? Like, you know, if, if God was using cancer, it might come for a month or two and then it goes away. But when you see a believer die with cancer, you're still telling me that God is disciplining them? So we need to understand that the discipline of God is not going to be with sickness or disease. God tests his people and God does not tempt his people. Huge difference. When God tests, God tested Abraham. In Genesis 22, the Bible says, and God God knew that Abraham was going to pass the test. So the test is to elevate your faith. But temptation comes from the enemy. The Mm -hmm. devil tempted Jesus. So we need to make a distinction and understand what covenant are we under? That's the first question. We're under the new covenant. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is not between God and people. That was the old covenant. It it was between God and Moses. And when the covenant was broken, then as a result, all these problems happened. The new covenant is between God the Father and God the Son. That is why God wanted this covenant to be unbroken. So what did he do? He sent his one and only son who is his equal, who is one with him. When you believe in Jesus, you enter the unbroken covenant. So this is a covenant of healing. It's a covenant of salvation, of deliverance, and of eternal life, Hmm. which is completely different to Job's theology And Job's understanding that God breaks me, God slays me, God inflicted this on me. And so even here, God is mad at Satan. Now, what we need to understand, which a lot of people don't know this, Jeff, that theologians say that the whole affliction of Job lasted no more than nine months. It's so long time. <laughs> it's still a long time, but it's nowhere near as long as like nine years. Right? Yeah. Because what when we read the book about his affliction, what we're thinking is that he lasted like years and years and years. And and the Lord at the end restores everything to Job. So when we go to Job 42, it says this. Uh, And and I'm picking up from verses um, seven. It says, after the Lord had said these things, he said to the three friends, um, which is Bildad, Aliphaz, and Temanite. He said this, I am angry with you and with your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job. In other words, everything they taught. You know those passages that believers sing in church today? God was angry at those words because these words were false. They were not truthful. He says this to them, said, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your sin. Hmm. So there's the actually right there too, even confirms 
like you were talking about at the beginning of the show, Job's priestly kind of position anyways. Yes. Uh, that he was able to, to do that, clearly. Yes. He was the priest of his house. He saw himself as this. He offered sacrifices unto, let's Elohim, oh God. And here, God is reinstating him and confirming him. And God is saying, I am so angry at what you said to him, at what you made him believe. I mean, they did not make it lighter for him. They did make him believe that God was so against him. And he himself began to say all those verses that we pick up today. Could you imagine, um, Jeff, you're... You wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to scriptures. And that's why I sort of don't recommend that you randomly open the Bible because it works. It worked with me many times when I was like, Lord, I'm discouraged. I'm sign. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you open up and it says, he slays me, he breaks me yeah. out <laughs> So we can't use that verse. Why? Because Job himself repented. Job said, God, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand who you are. I, I didn't understand your character, your nature. So if you remember, Jeff, last week when I spoke about the Apostle Paul, I said context is everything. Mm -hmm. You cannot take out a verse and make up a theology when it's like who wrote it. And, and I always teach this. Whenever you pick up scripture, there's always three levels to the level of understanding. And it's it's called this, them, us, and me. What is them? When I pick up a scripture, what is that verse saying to them? In other words, to the original hearers of the gospel. What is it saying to me? And then what is it saying to us as a corporate church? When we analyze scripture in this way, what's going to happen is like he slays me or he breaks me on every side. What? What is that saying to them? I'll immediately understand, oh, that was Job saying that because he thought that God was yeah, you know, wrong what? understanding. Yes. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Just... And so um, in the same chapter, it says this in verses 16. And after this, Job lived 140 years. So after this incident, God gave him another 140 years. The Bible says he saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And it says, and so Job died an old man and full of years. Hmm. In other words, the sickness or disease did not get to the level where it completely killed Job. And that's what we see with believers today. They end up completely dying. And then at their funeral, we stand up and we say, well, Lord, you gave and you take away. Naked I came, naked I go. And, and that's exactly what we continue to repeat. In yeah. Job 42, verses 5 and 6, and I want to highlight that, Job says that, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but my eyes have now seen you. So God, even because of his integrity and because of his upright heart, even those who are out of the covenant, they could still see what God is like and have an understanding of God. And then he says, therefore, I despise myself. 
So, and then he says, and I repent in dust and ashes. Mm. What he's saying is, God, I'm so sorry. I take back everything that I had believed. I take back the fact that I believed that you allowed it. Mm. I take back the fact that, that you permitted this, that you were testing me, that you watched me suffer. And you're just like folding your arms like this and just saying, well, you know, and, and that's what many believers are like. Why isn't God healing me? I prayed, I, I did this, I rebuked, I fasted, I took communion. Why is God watching me suffer? The only answer could be God's permitting this. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And so we need to start repenting. And what is a New Testament approach when that happens? Because I can understand that it can get so frustrating and it can just get so hard. The answer is we we don't know. We do know that the kingdom has come with the coming of Jesus. We know that he's paid the price. We know that healing is our inheritance and that we carry authority. But why am I not healed yet? We don't know that. But we know something. And I always say this to Jeff to people. If I am praying for someone on a wheelchair and they're not healed, I'm going to be angry, not with with anyone, with with probably just the devil, that, that, that this is not happening or with me not understanding. But let's say this was not me. Let's say Jesus physically was in the room or still here with us. And he was the one who laid hands on that paralyzed person. Would he stand up or would he not stand up? He'd definitely stand up. He will definitely stand up, right? So what does that mean? It means that I am on the journey of walking in the full authority and image of Jesus. Hmm. It's not for me to become disappointed with myself. It's just for me to grow. What is the Christian life? To have your mind renewed so that we can walk like him, talk like him. And we call that the journey of sanctification. So let's say you're praying for, to someone and they're healed of a headache or a back pain. Awesome. But then you pray for someone with cancer and that doesn't happen. It's okay. You're on that journey. As long as you begin to align your thoughts with God. Yeah. And the thing is, I remember, I think it was week two that you asked me and I was about body, body, spirit, and soul. We need to understand that the moment you believed in Jesus, his resurrection power filled my spirit. This is power to heal. And this is not any power. It is the power of the resurrected Messiah. It's there. Mm -hmm. Now, this power in my spirit is actually trapped. It needs to reach my sick body. Why is it trapped? Because of my thoughts, my soul. If I am believing that God is permitted this sickness because God wants to make me, you know, walk in the integrity with him, then I'm not going to want to be healed because I want to keep my sickness because God gave it to me. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to freak many people, Jeff. About 10 years ago, I met this lady in the Orthodox Church. 
And what they believe and what many churches do believe is that cancer is the disease of paradise. And I think I spoke about that before because they have this false theology. If God gives you cancer, you know when you're going to die. And so you go on this, you know, wow. praying, fasting, all this, because you are now being prepared to heaven because that's wow. your own. It's like I, almost declaring a death sentence over yourself. I mean, well, not almost, it is. It is, because yeah. what I'm going to share with you, it's going to freak a lot of people. There was a group of, a, it was a woman's group. It was a woman prayer group. And there was about 20 something people in that group. And they continued to pray every week for cancer. And do you know what happened? By the end of the year, most of them, I'm talking about 70% of them were diagnosed with cancer. Wow. Right? So this wow. is real. What we're talking about is real. Why? Because they wanted this. This was their thoughts. God, I love you. And God, you, you're okay to permit this in my body. And God, you know, and I know that many watching this, they may not be in that level of darkness that I'm talking about. Like I know many are not going to go out asking for cancer. But even if you don't, and even if you're sick in your body, and even if you're believing that God permitted Satan to inflict me because God is maturing me, cleansing me, purifying me through suffering. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a massive blockage in your soul. And so many believers will die without the healing power of the resurrected Jesus moving from their spirit to their bodies. It's trapped in me. You die with this power, never manifesting itself. And so the Christian life, Jeff, is not when we release power to come upon you. So many people are like, okay, when Yvonne prays, I'm going to get healed. She's just going to release the power of God. Let me tell you, that's not even biblical. Hmm. The apostle Paul said this, that you have received, that's past tense, every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. He doesn't pray so the church can receive anything new. He is saying you've already received the walk in it. So when we pray and we release that power, what's going to happen is that we're opening up a passageway in the spirit to allow what Jesus did to reach your sick body. We don't have a power of our own. Jesus is the one. He is the Holy Spirit baptizer. He is the healer. He is the one who saved you. He is the one who filled you with the Holy Spirit. You have it on the inside of you. But when you change the way you think, and when we release that prayer, what happens is you begin to believe. And you're yeah. like, okay, I'm believing. This is for me, God. So what happens is you open up, not just a small place but a massive place in your spirit so the power of the resurrected jesus gushes out it's been trapped in your body in your soul and boom it reaches your body and all of a sudden you, you feel whoa even as she's talking now power is hitting me even as she, she as she's talking now i feel electricity that is not because of anything special that is because you're believing what God has done in your life is working. Mm. You are the one that's opening up that door. So I know people, Jeff, they run from one healing service to another. That's awesome. 
But in the healing services, what we get them to do is to believe what they have, to believe that Jesus already deposited everything. He did not leave you bankrupt. He is not waiting for the healing power trapped in heaven until you ask for it. He has given it to you. Mm. So and it's to- like the belief that you that someone else has something that you don't when you have equal access to it. And the image I got was actually Christmas morning, uh, where it's like you get all these amazing presents and you're so stoked. It would be like the absurdity of going up to somebody and going, Hey, can I get such and such when you just received it and it's there in the box, you just need to open it up. And the, the absurdity of that, we would never do that because you yeah. know, when you're given these presents, they're yours and you, you can do whatever you want with them and you, you can open them. You can, you know, use them as much as you want. And, and so, um, it, it would be like the absurdity of that of being like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. pray that I can do that. I, I want this. I'm like, you have it, yes. you have it. You have it, you have it. And you know, Jeff, when we go back to the book of Job, um, the last few chapters, God is finally breaking in, stepping onto the scene, and he's addressing Job, and he's saying, Job, I want to speak to you directly now. You know, he's saying to him, Job, where were you when I created the stars? (laughs) Job, where were you when I created the clouds? Where were you, Job, when I created the seas and the whales? Where were you, Job? I am way bigger than sitting with Satan, inflicting your body to test your integrity, Job. I am way bigger than that. You don't know me, Job. And Job is so convicted. And at the beginning of the chapter, which is um, chapter 42, he said to him, he, he said to him, Lord, I know that you now can do all things mm. and there is nothing impossible to you. Those words that Job uttered are repeated by Mary and the angel. When the angel said to Mary, you being a virgin, you will have a baby. And she's like, but how? And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And she said, and then he said to her, for there is nothing that is impossible with God. That alone, Jeff, needs to transform someone's mind. That alone needs you to think that no matter what the doctors said, no matter the name of your condition, even if you hear a word like, um, you know, this is a chronic illness or this is a manic depression. So all those technical names, you know, this is diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar, all this, all that. I'm here to tell you that we have a God who is able to do all things. He is the God, our healer. And even Job, come on, who was not even a believer. He was not under the covenant. The moment God revealed to him how great he was, he said to him, now I know that you are able to do all things. And so I want those that are watching us to start even, well, it's a lot to take in. And I know that many people will go back and hear this and read this, that there is no way. I feel, you know, Jeff, we need to reconcile with God because mm. reconciling with God is, you know, so many people think that God's a traitor because it's like, God, you say you love me. 
but uh-huh. you're allowing Satan to Yeah, do- I look around and I see all this crazy stuff. Look what you allowed. Yeah. You let this, you ruin me, God. And we need to come and say, Lord, I am so sorry because mm-hmm. you're full of love. You're full of healing. You're full of, you're full of compassion. And you know, Jeff, so many people say, why did Jesus heal the sick? What was his motivation? And we know that there's many motivations. One of them is to fulfill prophecy. Other people are like, oh, to show that he's God. That's not the reason because the apostles healed and we were asked to heal. So we're not trying to prove that we're God. So that can't be the reason. But there's one common sentence that is said by Jesus almost in every time he heals. It says this, he moved with compassion. What does that mean? He is trying to tell us that God is so full of compassion and that when we suffer, God does not like it. God is not happy when he sees, you know, a young person watching me right now with mental health illness. God is not pleased when he's like, you know, and we come and say, oh, I'm diagnosed with multiple personality disorders. I just feel and hear right now that God is even healing this. Yeah. You know, and what, and I'm not going to go into the medical terminology of all of this, but we need to come to terms with in our thinking right now to begin to believe, oh God, that's not you. You reveal to me today that your heart is to heal and to save and to deliver and to set me free. And so we begin to repent, change the way we think, come into agreement, like Job said to him, I thought I knew. But now it looks like I know nothing about you. But I do know that you were able to do all things. The day Job died, he was full of days. The, jo- the day Abraham died, he was full of days. And we get to hear that quote saying, oh, the Lord wants us to die full of days. He wants our children to die full of days. When we're just laying down or sitting in our bed like Simon in the temple and we and he says god i'm ready i've gone i've written every book i've done every show i've traveled to every nation i've done everything and right now god i'm empty i'm coming to you empty and i am ready that's what simon says he says lord you promised me this it's happening this is the time for you to take me so then it's that transition it's peaceful transition into the arms of god knowing that we have fulfilled what god called us to fulfill hmm. yeah this is good this is good stuff <laughs> i just think i'm just so blown away by how we've allowed one book that's actually meant to expose to us the trap that Satan tries to get us in the mental trap that Satan tries to get us in and that it's been used to get people into that mental trap when it's meant to expose it. And we've allowed that book of the Bible to inform not just the old Testament, but the new Testament when Job was happened outside of the old covenant. And so that's not even part of the old covenant and the old covenant. Even we, we allow ourselves to get into this old mindset. Um, and I always just go back to Romans eight too, that because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Yes. And how can that be true? Romans eight two. how can Romans eight two be true? If we're adhering ourselves to false theology produced 
by misinterpreting a book that's meant to set us free. It's meant to expose a trap that Satan uses. Yeah. And so I've that's seen. just the thing that I've just been thinking about this whole time, man. It's just like, what, like, um, yeah, yeah. It should make I, you angry. It should make yeah. us angry. Um, and, it, and it does, Jeff. It makes me so angry when yeah. I talk to people. And you know what they'll tell me? They'll tell me, um, even if God, even if Satan did all this, but the word that really gets me is God allowed it. Mm-hmm. And if you remember last week, I said this to our wonderful viewers. I said, go on a search in the New Testament and find out where does it say God allowed someone to be sick um, or have a disease? Mm-hmm. Where and in, in all of Jesus's incidents of healing, I want someone to pick up one account where Jesus says, look, I've allowed this sickness so that you can grow and learn. Or where, where Jesus said, this is going to teach you something. So hang on to it because it's going to teach you something. Mm-hmm. So we've actually created this God allowed theology. And now everything is just God allowed, God allowed. Yeah. And we, mm-hmm. and the thing is, you know, Jesus, we, there's that beautiful passage in the Bible where it says that people are, they look holy, but they're empty of power. So those yeah. words will make you feel holy. But the truth is you're completely emptying yourself to really to receiving the power of God because you're believing yeah. that God allowed it, God permitted it, you know. And so for me, I learned not to um I, I don't open my mouth, I just pray for people, and if they're still sick in their bodies, I'll continue to pray. But there is no way in my mind, Satan cannot manipulate my mind. And as you said, Jeff. It's clearly said Satan went out from the presence of God and he did this and he did this. How did we miss it? How did we ignore yeah. what Satan has done? And well, yeah. but God is sovereign. Yeah. And but- you, it's it, you explaining it too. You're not like, I mean, you just taught sh- straight from the Bible. You're not manipulating things to make them fit and be like, no. if we really work this, then you can see that it wasn't God's. God didn't do this, you know, like it's plain as day and it's like scripture confirms scripture, right? So you can, you know, it's like, uh, it was all over the Bible. I mean, you went to the new Testament, old Testament, all that stuff. So I, yeah, it's not like you were twisting. I mean, it's all there, even in Job, if you just stuck in Job, it's all there. (laughs) It's completely there. And I guess yeah. the hardest passage for me was that Job 2, 3, where, you know, where, where God is saying to him that Job maintains his integrity, though you enticed me against him. When I read that, my mind was spinning. How can, how can someone manipulate the heart of God to destroy, to ruin his life without reason? That just makes you go like, how? That is crime 101, just there. Yet we can take God as a criminal. And yet we can. And and people who do that, Jeff, they find it very difficult to be intimate with God. Very difficult. Because you cannot be intimate with a criminal. You cannot be intimate with someone who is going out intentionally destroying your life for no reason. So therefore, whenever we read a problematic passage like that, we need to dig deeper. Like Jesus said, when you want to build a big foundation, what do you do? He said, you dig and you lay a solid foundation, then you build. What we're doing is we're taking the foundations that others built because they're St. John of the Cross and because they're this person. I had someone say to me, who do you think you are? Do you think you're greater? 
than all the early church fathers that wow. taught us that. And you see, and I remember when I got filled in the Holy Spirit, the first thing God said to me, Yvonne, I want you to be a child and unlearn what you learned so I could teach you. So this is not about how old you are. It's not, it's about God speaking truth and setting you free because I am believing, Jeff, even as I'm speaking. I kept on he he hearing the Holy Spirit saying that many, and I mean many, are going to be healed. I kept on hearing mental health, mental health, mental health. And I kept on hearing cancer. But there's going to be a lot of other conditions that God is just going to break in as you're like, whoa, I did not know that about the book of Job. Come on. Well, let's let, go for it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, let's pray. Wherever you are, I just want you to come and we're going to repent corporately, but I want you to begin to expect something. And as you're praying to do something you can do, if there's a lump in your body, it's going to disappear. If there's going to, if you can't see, you will see. If there's ringing in the ear, you that will stop. So I want you to enter in with expectation and allow what's in your spirit to touch your sick body because that is the heart of God. So wherever you are, let's begin to enter the presence. Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here. We bless your holy name and we thank you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are interested in our physical health, Lord, in our mental health, Lord. So, Father, in the name of King Jesus right now, we come before you. And, Lord, we repent from believing that you were manipulating, the that your heart can even be manipulated. We repent, Lord, from believing that you can destroy our lives with no reason. We repent, God, from believing that you allowed sickness and disease to ruin our bodies. Father, we repent and we come, Lord, and we break every covenant with sickness and disease right now. I want you to see your mind like smashing something. I want you to say this. I break this covenant with every belief that is antichrist right now. Every belief that is not according to the heart and mind of God. And I want you to say this. God, I establish a new covenant of you being the God who is my healer. The God who is breaking into my life to restore it. As Jesus said, I come to bring life and bring it in abundance. So, Father, in the name of King Jesus right now, Father, I ask that you take full authority over what's about to happen. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, by the authority that you have given your daughter, I rebuke sickness and disease right now. And, Lord, I release your healing power that is trapped in their spirit. I release it right now in its entirety, Father, in Jesus' name, to be released and to touch their sick bodies right now. I stand on the finished work of the cross, and I magnify the resurrected King Jesus to do what only you can do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing to bones. I rebuke cancer. Father, in the name of Jesus, release that healing into mental health issues, God. Those wonderful young 
young people that are thinking I'm suicidal, I bind that demonic spirit and I command it to leave their bodies. Depression, oppression, and anxiety in the name of Jesus, it is lifted, it is removed, it is separated. And I speak a sound mind. I release that healing into their minds right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak emotional healing to come upon them right now. I speak healing, God, from blood disorders in the name of Jesus. Every diagnosed condition, every name that is invoked, your name is higher. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Intensify your healing presence. Lord, I know that you're healing right now. So I bless your holy name and I bless what you're doing. And I just ask that you would do more. More, God, more of your power, more of your blessing, more of this joy coming upon your people right now. I thank you because you are the God who is full of love. You are the God and no one can manipulate you against us. We thank you because of the great love that you showed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I thank you because you did not spare your one and only son, but gave him for us to be whole and healed. So I thank you, Lord, as we are resting, release your angels in every home, through every screen. And I thank you for a night of miracles. I thank you for a night of your delivering power, touching your people. Thank you for what you're doing right now. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Mm, amen. Wow. Let us know, guys. <clears throat> Let us know the testimonies, man. We get, man. <laughs> yeah, I that was that was really good, Yvonne. Thank you. That was really good. Praise I just God. feel I just feel like a huge weight lifted off of people. Um and um and I just think it's so important for us to when we run into situations like um a, a book that sometimes can elements of it can get lost in translation, um, like, like Job to to stand on God's attributes and who God is not oh okay well God did this so therefore that means uh, when this is one instance and it's a very important message and I feel like if you heard Yvonne correctly and some of the stuff that I said I, I think I think that the the message from Job is very clear um, and um, especially when you look at everything that transpired in that book and then Job's response at the end of it is repentance Yes, is a very big takeaway. But for some reason, we just, we have a hard time making that connection yeah. between the end of the book and the rest of it and going, Oh, well, you know, it's, um, uh, I guess that's the way it is. And, and so, um, but it's important for us to look at scripture through the lens of what God's attributes are. Yes. Um, and that he is love. If God is love, let that be the lens that we look at things through. Yeah. You know, so, and that's why word studying is important. Yes. Th that's why, uh, like all that stuff. So if you don't have a thesaurus, um, or not a thesaurus, uh, uh, the concordance, thank you, a lexicon, <laughs> then, uh, then, uh, then I would encourage you guys to get one, um, and really start digging into, into that yourselves too. So. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, he said back in his book, My Redeemer Lives, I think to us, when we say that, we have a completely different lens because we know what our Redeemer did for us. Yeah. He didn't have that understanding, but we do. 
So I'm just, I can't wait to hear all those amazing testimonials coming through. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, there's a, um, a young girl that, that wrote um, us and on a previous episode, I can't remember which episode it was, but she had gotten healed of, of something. And then she wrote me uh, in response to the last episode you did. And she's like, I just got a double healing. She's like, I, um, and so it's amazing. I mean, God is, God is healing people. Um, yeah. And he's doing it through live streams. Amen. He's so yes. much bigger. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, Yvonne. Um, seriously, thank you so much. This, this series was an absolute treat. And we're already talking about other series that we can do. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do it again. I think you have such a gift for teaching. Thank you. And giving substantial needy teaching. And I love, love, love that you teach straight out of scripture. And um, that's so important. Um, so, um, yeah. So, okay. Plug your social media, plug books, all that good stuff. Amen. Amen. So um, it's uh, my book, guys, Revealing the Healer. Um, and again, it's going to expose a lot of false theology. Just like today, what we did today with Job and last week with Paul, the same thing. And I just have been getting a lot of testimonials. Um, it's very easy written. As you know, I just teach very easy. Uh -huh. So those that need the book, you can get the book. Um, everything's on our website, celebratefreedomministries.org. Um, what's actually amazing is that there's a physical healing course that goes for eight weeks and it's packed. So those people that are like, I don't really want to buy a book, but I want the teachings, I want the assignments. And that course has been life changing. So once again, they can head to the website and they can um they can get this book awesome well yvonne god bless you thank you so much this was so good thank you. thank you so much jeff you guys have made it easy for me thank you so much for all the love and all the support thank absolutely. you absolutely we love you at the elijah list you're amazing so, <laughs> thank so, you yeah so everybody that's our show have just a blessed blessed wednesday do yourself a favor too um, with, with anybody that, that is around you, that's having questions about healing, uh, maybe they need healing themselves. You can actually get the playlist for this and you can just send it to them. Um, and so there's a link in the description. It'll take you right to the playlist and you just hit share or the little arrow that goes like that. And you can share it to, to people. Um, I, it's going to help a lot of people and it's going to bring a lot of clarity and it's going to get people grounded on, on, uh, correct theology surrounding healing. Uh, especially with where God is taking us in the body of Christ. It's so important that we have that correct theology of healing. So, so important, right, Yvonne? So important. Um, and then also there's a donation link at the analyzedfire.com slash donate. All donations go towards keeping, going towards this, keeping it free. There's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes, but then every donation, a portion of it goes to our water well efforts across the globe. And um, just amazing things for 2023, you guys. So amazing. And all of them are made possible because of your guys' donations. So God bless you guys. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. 
Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.